0: Guys nice, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Today you are joined by your host Tiara, and thank you so much for tuning in for what is now episode two of my Comp Prep 2020 mini series. Now before I jump into this episode, I do quickly just want to put out a humongous thank you to everyone who did listen to episode one and provided plenty of kind, supportive, and positive feedback on that episode. Honestly, I just can't explain how much I appreciate it. And I was just blown away by the positive response that I got from that episode. And honestly, it makes me so happy to know that a lot of you are interested in following along on this journey. And a lot of the different topics I spoke about in that podcast resonated with a lot of you and you could relate in plenty of different ways. So. It makes me feel so grateful that I do get to share this journey with you and incredibly excited to continue to record future episodes. So thank you so, so much. So I guess jumping in first into this episode, you know, I am recording this on Sunday, the 26th of January, and I am now just under five weeks out from my first show of the season, which will be the IFBB Queensland qualifiers. And you know, this means that I've now been dieting for over 21 weeks. So I'm coming up on five months, five months of dieting. That's almost half a year, you know, of being very, very specific with my nutrition and tracking absolutely everything that goes into my body to the absolute T, you know, and being very disciplined and not indulging at social events that involve food. and. I really wanted to touch on this topic first because it's certainly something that I get asked, you know, a lot about my comp prep is how do I sustain a diet for that long? You know, how can I possibly commit to that? And you know, I fully understand why people ask this question because when someone wants to change their body composition, you know, and it's inevitable that that change is going to require some form of caloric restriction, you know, and modifications to their current lifestyle and their nutritional habits. That's usually the most daunting component of the entire process, you know? A lot of people would probably say that dieting is much, much harder than the training component, you know, than expending extra energy through cardiovascular work or doing more steps, you know, or prioritizing their sleep and their recovery and getting on top of, you know, being well organized and setting up a good routine so that they can manage all of these different lifestyle changes and they can achieve their health and fitness goals. You know, a heck of a lot of people would say that, man, out of all of those things, dieting is by far the most difficult component to adhere to and to sustain. And people will often ask me, you know, how do you do it? How are you committing to 38 weeks of comp prep? 38 weeks of dieting. That's almost nine months. How on earth are you sustaining that? And how are you disciplined enough? You know, how can you possibly do that? And my honest answer isn't going to be the obvious thing that everyone generally tells you about, you know, making dieting a little bit easier, making it a little bit more manageable. And you've all probably heard, you know, the obvious answers before of, Get good quality night's sleep so that, you know, it manages your hunger hormones and ensure that you're incorporating protein at every meal. Volumize your meals, eat plenty of fruits and vegetables, stay well hydrated during the day. My honest answer to how to make dieting a little bit easier is that you need to be more in love with your life than you love food okay? Food can't be the best part of your life. Food can't be the only thing that you look forward to during the day, okay? You need to love your life more than you love food. Now, don't get me wrong, all right? I'm not saying that it is a bad thing to enjoy the wonderful pleasures of food, whether that's eating food, cooking food, smelling food, tasting food, talking about food, learning about food. All right. (laughs) For Pete's sake, I am a dietitian. I am credentialized as a foodie. So enjoying food and loving food is not a bad thing. All I'm saying is that you need to love your life more than you love food. So let me explain that a little bit. I am a firm believer that as human beings, the things that we are doing between meals, everything that we're working on, the goals that we're aiming to pursue and achieve should be more enjoyable and should be more exciting than the meals themselves. Now, don't get me wrong, I understand that this isn't always possible because sometimes we just have a crappy day. All right. Everyone has bad days. And when we reflect on a bad day, sometimes we can honestly say to ourselves, man, the best part of today was the oatmeal I ate this morning. So I understand it from that point of view. But what I'm trying to say is the ultimate goal in life should be to live and create a beautiful and exciting life. And We should be pursuing things and doing things in life that get us excited and get us, you know, thinking and feeling creative and getting really pumped up to go out and achieve these things, you know, and create these things. And we should be getting more excited about the different activities we get to do in life and the different memories that we get to make compared to how excited we get over just our breakfast, our lunch, and our dinner. So, you know, I think that is my honest answer to how I am able to sustain this 38 week diet, because the truth is I love my life so much more than I love food. And even though I really love food and I really do enjoy sitting down to a meal, I'm more excited for what I get to do between meals. And I would strongly encourage you guys to do the same, you know, live a life and find your passions and Do the things that you enjoy so that food can be a great part of your day, but it doesn't have to be the best part of your day. And in saying that, my meals are a great part of my day but they aren't the best part of my day, you know? The best part of my day is spending time with Jack, spending time with my dog, checking in with my clients, doing dietetic consults, going to the gym and training, all right, recording podcasts, going for walks in the sun, swimming in the sun, going to the beach, you know, spending time with my parents, spending time with my friends, reading and learning. There's so many things in life that I get so excited and so pumped up to do that I really, really look forward to more than my meals. And yeah, I would just strongly encourage you guys to find out what you love, you know, and absolutely fill your life with it to the brim. So that's enough on that topic for now. (laughs) Loving your life more than you love food, coming from a dietitian but let's talk about the last week. So, you know, last weekend there was a slightly disappointing event, or I might as well say lack of event. I tried to go to the free IFBB posing workshop, which was actually being held at world's gym Ashmore. So that was last weekend. And for anyone who lives here, you know, in Brisbane, you would know that We have just been having some very, very funky weather. And, uh, for the last week it has been raining a lot and there have been quite a few torrential thunderstorms, you know, and flooding. And pretty much I tried to attend this posing workshop and I drove for an hour trying to get down the Gold Coast and pretty much just got stuck in standstill traffic, you know? And, uh, on my Google maps, it was like, just kept put delaying the time more and more and more. And i looked, you know, on Google maps and it was pretty much just standstill red for the next like 30 kilometers or something. So I'd already been driving for an hour and I made that decision. I'm like, it's not going to be worth it. I'm literally just going to be sitting here in my car and I'm probably not even going to be able to make the workshop. So I'm actually really lucky that I was on a road that I was able to turn around. So I escaped in a sense. and had to drive back home. So yeah, got to go on a very fun two hour drive in the rain last weekend without being able to attend the posing workshop, but that's okay. You know, these things happen. And, uh, although it would have been super beneficial to be able to go to that workshop, you know, and meet some of the judges and pose with some of the pros and everything like that, I'm still posing with my own posing coach one-on-one I'm always practicing my posing by myself. And even this week alone, you know, I've actually switched up my routine a little bit because for anyone who, you know, knows IFBB bikini posing or most IFBB posing, you get to do your own routine before they do the comparison rounds. Uh, and you know, I'm always fine tuning things. So this week, you know, I did change it up a little bit because When I'm in my routine, I do like at the end, I do this side shot and initially from that side shot, I was trying to go back into my front shot, but I didn't quite know what to do with my hands and my feet. And I felt like when I was doing it, I was almost doing like this funky little dance to turn around. So I've swapped that, I've changed that a little bit. And now I go from that side shot, I take a few steps back, I hit another back pose, then I spin around, take a few steps forward and then hit my front pose again. So it looks a lot nicer. It's a lot more fluid. And that's the thing guys, like, you know, I've been practicing my posing now for 21 weeks, almost every single day. And I come home every day and I tell Jack, I'm like, man, you know, like I, I posing was so much better today because it's just these fine little things that you will fine tune, you know, and Each and every session, you will take something away from that and you'll get a little bit better, you know, or, you know, you'll realize that, oh, Hey, you know, maybe I should do this slightly differently or this slightly differently. And also you need to keep practicing it so that you ingrain those motor patterns, okay? It's just like learning an exercise. You're never going to be perfect the first time you squat, but if you repeatedly squat over and over again, you will become a master at the movement. So it's the exact same with posing. I'm always fine tuning things literally every single day. I'm like, okay, that feels a little bit better. So. Yeah, honestly, I just, I honestly can't emphasize enough how important it is to practice, practice, practice your posing, because that is just how you are displaying your physique and your hard work on stage, and you need to master it. And I I can confidently say I have not mastered it yet, but I, each and every day, I know that I'm getting closer because I know I'm putting in the work. And I know, you know, come five weeks from now, it's going to look the best that it could in five weeks. And you know, after that it's going to continue to get better because I'm a work in progress and I will continue to get better. So, That's pretty much, you know, this week rounded up in terms of posing this week rounded up in terms of body composition. So last week when I recorded the podcast, I mentioned that I got a new low weigh in that week of 60.7 kilograms, which was really awesome. Uh, This week, you know, I got a new low weigh in of 60.3 kilograms, which is really great too. So, you know, another 400 gram drop there. But at the same time that new low weigh in was on Wednesday, I usually always get my lowest weigh in on a Wednesday or a Thursday morning, simply because that's following on from all of my lower carbohydrate days. And then usually I will get my highest weigh in on a Saturday morning because that's falling on from my two high carbohydrate days. So obviously I'm retaining more fluid just because of the extra glycogen, which ain't a problem at all. But this week again in Brisbane, funky weather, and it has been hot and it has been humid. It has been so humid. So ever since Wednesday, it's just been disgustingly sticky. And the thing is, when it's really, really hot and humid my body, like I just retain so much fluid. I'm, I'm super duper thirsty. So I'm drinking a lot of water during the day. You know, I'm always salting my meals just as normal but, uh, I retain a lot more fluid and you know, that has caused my weight to spike quite a bit this week, simply just because of the humidity. So straighter after I got that new low weigh in of 60.3 kilograms, weight has shot right up to 61.3. So an entire kilogram, and it hasn't dropped yet, you know, and it is Sunday morning now, but I'm not letting that get to me because, I know the reasoning for it. I know that it is January in Australia. It's freaking hot. It's freaking humid. And my body is just trying to stay well hydrated. So that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but at the same time, I am pretty excited because I know that, you know, this coming week, hopefully the humidity should drop, at least the weather man says so. And um, I can almost think of it as compound interest because, you know, I know that my body is going to go like whoosh, you know, and I am probably going to lose a lot of this extra fluid that I'm retaining once the humidity drops. and based off my previous week's weigh-ins you know because i've been losing like somewhere between like 400 to 500 grams per week for the last few weeks since my diet break if i was 60.3 this past week plus all the humidity uh you know then this next week i will likely potentially drop down into the 59s which is absolutely crazy for me to think uh breaking the 60 kilograms so That's going to be a tiny little milestone for me, but to think that it's only a few days away is pretty crazy. So being in those 59 kilograms, because I haven't been 59 kilograms since, uh, after last comp prep, so probably like June, 2018, so over a year and a half ago, but comparing my 59 kilogram weight now to my 59 kilogram weight then. Talk about completely different body composition. And, you know, that's another topic that I want to touch on because I have had an extended improvement season, you know, and I've taken two years between shows. And I'm just always reminding myself that I can't necessarily compare my current body weight and my current physique to my previous stage physique and my previous stage body weight because. I am a completely different person and a completely different body in both of those scenarios. And to be honest right now, I'm much heavier than I was last time when I was on stage. So last time I was on stage, I was 56.9 kilograms but I'm already much leaner than my previous stage appearance. And to be honest, I've probably been leaner than my previous stage weight ever since I was in the 62 kilograms. So that's a good extra five kilograms of muscle on me, plus being leaner than my previous stage weight. So that is pretty freaking cool. and. I am not going to lie. I am really proud of myself for uh, taking that time off, you know, and putting on a good amount of weight and training really hard because it truly has resulted in positive body composition change. And I have put on more muscle. I've literally put on kilograms worth of more muscle in the last two years, which is, it's just so cool and this entire comp prep, it has been really neat to compare photos of myself now and my physique at certain weights compared to my weight and my physique from my previous prep. And man, I just look completely different, especially in my lower body. Like hip thrusts three times a week have worked an absolute treat because my butt, it no longer looks like a pancake. You know, it's quite round and nice now. So, (laughs) uh, I am, um, I'm really, really happy and that is just, that is cool. So yeah, maybe potentially landing in the 59 kilograms this week, who knows? Don't want to jinx myself, but, um, yeah, I guess we will find out next week on our next podcast episode. So, you know, on the topic of weight loss, I actually did want to touch on how losing weight this comp prep has influenced my training performance, because, you know, I'm certain that this is something a lot of people can relate to, especially comp prep competitors is that when you do lose weight, you know, it certainly does impact your ability to perform to a certain extent at some point during your dieting phase during some of your movements. You know, everyone is different. Everyone's training is going to be impacted in a certain way, but I think it's inevitable that, you know, losing weight isn't going to change a thing, right? So personally on a positive note, something that certainly has improved in terms of my training performance as my weight has gone down is my chin-ups. So <laughs> being a lighter body weight, I am able to perform more body weight chin-ups, which is pretty cool. So, you know, initially I was only able to do like sets of five, but as I've progressively lost weight, you know, now I'm up to sets of eight and seven, which is pretty good. Cause I usually do about five sets. So my goal is to be able to rep out 10 chin-ups, which uh, should be pretty awesome. I think I think it's achievable. I just literally have to keep going, keep pulling myself up, keep trying. But I know I will get there. But that's always motivating. I always uh, find that you know those body weight movements obviously always become easier as you lose weight. If you do lose weight in a sustainable manner, you know I think with exercises like that, it is like indicative that you've most likely retained a good amount of muscle while losing predominantly fat. If you are able to perform at a higher level at a lower body weight. So that's always a good sign, but to be completely honest in terms of upper body performance, chin-ups are the only thing that has actually improved for me. Uh, all of my other movements, I'm going to be totally honest, they've pretty much plateaued. Nothing has necessarily regressed, which I am very happy about, but all of my lifts pretty much have plateaued, especially my pushing movements. So for example, seated OHP, you know, bench press, I'm only able to pretty much perform the exact same amount of weights and the exact same amount of reps as I was at the start of comp prep. but in saying that I don't necessarily think that's a negative thing. And it certainly does not mean that I've regressed. And I would actually argue that, you know, potentially that is still almost an improvement in performance, because if I've lost eight kilograms in body weight, but I'm still able to OHP 30 kilograms for five sets of 10, you know, I would say that that is a really good thing. And that is a good sign, especially going off my last competition prep, because pretty much as I lost weight, my strength actually decreased. You know, I, I mentioned this in the last episode, but I was repping out standing OHP for like 32.5 kilograms, right? For like sets of eight. But then during comp prep, it went down to like 22.5 kilograms, 10 kilograms lost in weight. Uh, lifting so that was that was really sad but I'm really really happy with this comp prep because I've taken it nice and slow and I've you know really put a huge emphasis on my recovery as well and you know total training volume, everything like that. I've been able to maintain all of my lifts despite losing some weight so I am really really proud of that but in terms of weight loss in terms of lower body, The truth is it hasn't really influenced my lower body performance. Like to be honest, my lower body has continued to improve. And I would actually argue, despite being in a deficit, I've actually probably laid down a little bit more muscle tissue because I've continued to train hard and I'm actually able to lift more weights and do more reps, you know, and add in an extra set across many compound movements. So a prime one, you know, would be my barbell RDLs. Initially I used to do quite a number of months ago. I did uh, dumbbell RDLs and then I swapped over to barbell RDLs. And with those barbell RDLs, I also learned how to finally use straps because you know, a huge downside of doing the barbell RDLs for me was that not that my hamstrings were necessarily giving out, but my hands were giving out. And that's so frustrating, you know, when you know that you're strong enough to lift the weight, but your hands slip and your hands fail before your actual legs do like that sucks. But, um, quite a number of months ago, you know, I did get a pair of straps, finally learned how to use them. And my barbell RDL progression has just been linear. You know, it's, it's the best it has ever been. So right now I'm able to do barbell RDLs, you know, sets between 12 to 15 reps at 75 kilograms and getting a good full range of motion there. Like just, I feel an amazing connection with my hamstrings and comparing my progress photos, you know, also my exercise videos as well throughout this prep. And as I've continued to progress with barbell RDLs, you know, I can certainly see a heck of a lot more hamstring definition. One, obviously that comes from being a lower body fat percentage, but I can certainly see more muscle density too. So I I am a firm advocate that I have continued to build a little bit more muscle in my hamstrings. Would I have built more if I was in a calorie surplus? Of course I would, (laughs) I'm not denying that, but I'm also not denying that it's impossible to continue to improve your physique in a caloric deficit. If you are still still hitting, you know, all of your other fundamentals, you're still focusing on getting enough protein throughout the day. You're still recovering. You're still getting good quality night's sleep. You're optimizing your nutrient timing and everything like that. So it's certainly not impossible. So yeah, those are my hamstrings. And you know, w- especially with a uh, barbell hip thrust, you know, I've continued to progress with those as well. I'm able to lift much more weight than I was quite a number of months ago. I'm able to perform a hell of a lot more reps. You know, quite a few months ago, I was only lifting a hundred kilograms or like 110, 120 kilograms, usually for like sets of eight to 12. But now I'm able to lift those weights anywhere between sets of 15 to 20, which is awesome. So that's really, really good. And, uh, also with my quads, you know, quads are probably my weakest body part. You know, they're by far the least impressive. They are the least developed, uh, and they are for years on end, like in the future, they are going to be a huge focus point for me to keep developing and keep improving in my physique. But, you know, even in this comp prep, I, I would argue as well that my quads have continued to develop. And two things that I think that's down to is V squats. You know, I started doing V squats at the very start of comp prep, and I've continued to progress with those and feel a fantastic connection with my quads. You know, I started off lifting like around 40 kilograms, you know, quite a few months ago, and now I'm doing like sets of 12 at 70 kilograms, which Might not seem like a lot for some people, but that is very, very challenging for me and my little quads. Um, but again, you know, comparing progress photos and comparing exercise videos, I can see more muscle definition and I can see more muscle density. And also because it's not a new, new movement for me, I'm not just adapting to those neurological adaptations, right? I know that if I'm able to lift more weight for more reps, right? And do more sets, I have to have more muscle in that area in order to do that, in order to achieve that. Uh, so yeah, that is something that certainly helped with me. So yeah, that's been interesting so far. This comp prep is that lower body has continued to improve. Upper body has stalled, but it hasn't regressed. So I'm okay with that. Honestly, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. So yeah, that's, uh, pretty much how weight loss has influenced my training so far, but it actually will be really interesting, you know, in the weeks coming because I still have like another 17 weeks of dieting. Oh my gosh, I'm only just over halfway. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. There probably is going to be a point where, you know, obviously my lower body progression probably will stall and something might regress, you know, but It happens, you know, if I'm planning on getting that lean, you know, and I'm planning, you know, on extending this diet for that long, something's going to have to give at some point I'm imagining. So, you know, that's just a, that's just a sacrifice you have to make, but luckily it hasn't happened so far, but it should be interesting to see if it happens in the future and what really does happen, which exercise am I like, no, I can't lift this weight anymore. I literally have to decrease the weight or I just, I can't do this number of reps anymore. So yeah, should be interesting. I'll um, keep you updated on that one. So, you know, that is a bit about training. I guess now it would be a good segue to talk about nutrition. So, this past week, you know, my macros have stayed the same as the weeks prior because coming off that diet break from about 3 weeks ago, my weight is continuing to drop week after week and if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? You know, if the plan's working, you don't necessarily need to make modifications. So, this week I carried out the same macros, so five low days saturday to wednesday i was on 175 carb 140 protein and 35 fat and then on thursdays and fridays i brought my carbohydrates up to 325 grams and again 140 to 150 grams of protein and 35 grams of fat there and i thought i would just explain why i'm actually doing these five low days and two high days and i have been doing this For a number of months now, you know, and I have found that it has been working really well for me. So essentially the rationale behind it is that those five lower carbohydrate days, and essentially those five lower calorie days, because it does come out to be around 1,575 calories on those lower carbohydrate days compared to the higher carbohydrate days where it's around 2,215 calories. So quite a difference there, you know, and, uh, my rationale behind it is that on those five lower carbohydrate and five lower energy days, you know, that is when my body is in the greatest caloric deficit, right? That is when I am primarily losing the most amount of fat tissue. So that is my rationale behind that. Also during those five days, that's when I take two of my rest days. So I'm only actually training on three of those days. So pretty much I'm just trying to really optimize being in an energy deficit on those days. But then on Thursdays and Fridays, my high carbohydrate days, the rationale behind that is that pretty much it's getting my body prepared for how I'm going to respond when I do my carb up for peak week. So that, you know, my body is very, very well used to having that influx of higher carbohydrates. And it also gives me some visual feedback on how I'm going to look because after those five low days, man, I'm flat. I'm flat as a flipping pancake. Like my muscles, they just have like no pop. Uh, but after those two high carbohydrate days, I always wake up on Saturday morning and I look my best, you know, I really, really do look my best. My muscles are full, but I'm not spilled over. I've got the most veins in me. Uh, it's, it's really cool. And I'm always taking progress photos too, comparing those days to see, you know, how is my physique responding? And the neat thing is, is that as I continue to get leaner week by week, obviously the changes are a lot more noticeable too, which, uh, is really exciting at this point, which, um, it's cool. It's cool seeing the hard work pay off pretty much, but yeah. So that's my rationale behind it in that sense is that I'm just getting my body prepared for the carb up for my Saturday shows, because, you know, I don't want to do something during peak week that I've never done before, and I don't know how my body will respond. So by doing this method, you know, I am very well aware of pretty much how my physique is going to look on that Saturday for show day, as long as I just keep things consistent and I do everything the same and I don't change any variables that are in my control. So that's the reasoning for that behind, you know, an aesthetic and appearance point of view, but it also really helps with my training performance because I've specifically set up my training routine and my training split across the week so that I can take full advantage of that extra fuel, of those extra carbohydrates, of that extra glycogen and put them to good use during my training. So the reason why I have those high carbohydrate days on a Thursday and a Friday is because on my Thursday, that is my, you know, biggest leg session for the week. Uh, That's when I'm doing, you know, my heaviest compound movements, and I'm also doing the most training volume. So that's the day where my two biggest compounds are are barbell RDLs and barbell hip thrusts. And then on Friday, when I train upper body, that's when I'm doing my two big compound movements of barbell bent over rows and barbell bench press and also the rationale behind it too is that if i'm carving up on thursdays and fridays i'm full of glycogen for my saturday session as well so on saturdays that's when i will do v squats and hip thrusts as my primary lower body movements so it really helps with training performance in that sense just having extra energy across those three days and The fantastic thing about that, and this has been supported in some research out of Bill Campbell's lab. I'm not sure if some of you are aware of him, essentially he is a researcher at the University of South Florida, and he just specializes in physique manipulation, and he does a lot of really cool research in that field. And he has done research, you know, with trained collegiate female athletes those who are just doing like a continuous dieting phase compared to those who are only dieting for five days of the week. And then they bring up their calories to a maintenance level for two days of the week through an increase in carbohydrates. And what they've pretty much found with this research is that it does actually help those athletes retain a little bit more muscle mass during their dieting phase. And actually, you know, it might actually help to keep their metabolic rate a little bit higher, but interestingly enough, they actually haven't found a correlation between refeed days. And an increase in leptin. And as we know, leptin is that satiety hormone that is released, you know, when we are consuming an abundance of food. And it pretty much tells us that, hey, you know, you don't need to feel as hungry anymore. And it works on areas of the hypothalamus in the brain so that we will expend more energy. So you know, that is a theory that people always say, you know, oh, like taking refeed days, it increases your levels of leptin. But eh, the research doesn't actually necessarily support that, it's still just a theory. At this stage. But the research, like, I know it's still preliminary, but it still does show right now that um, there is the potential that doing refeed days, it may help, you know, to retain a little bit more lean muscle tissue, helps with exercise performance. Uh, I would argue that it helps with diet adherence too for most people as well. But pretty much what I'm trying to say is that this method has been working really, really well for me. And, uh, yeah, by taking those two higher carbohydrate days, it just works wonders for my energy levels, my training performance, you know, it's, um, it's been really good and it hasn't negatively impacted my ability at all to continuously lose weight throughout these weeks of comp prep. So You know, it's certainly a method that works for some people. And it's certainly a method that I would advocate for if someone gave themselves enough time to do a comp prep. You know, if you're doing an eight week prep or something, and you've got a lot of weight to lose, I'd argue that you can't really afford to take two out of your seven days of the week and, you know, eat at maintenance levels. Like you probably need to be in continuous caloric restriction there. But if you give yourself an extended comp prep 20 weeks plus, you know, go for it, enjoy it. And I'm, um, you'll get to reap all the benefits. So yeah, those are my high days and my low days. And my nutrition does change a little bit across those days. And I have done a few, you know, full days of eating on YouTube where I show everything that I eat in a day. And I've done ones on my lower carbohydrate days. I've done ones on my higher carbohydrate days, but Pretty much on my lower carbohydrate days, I'd say that I'm actually getting in greater food diversity compared to my higher carbohydrate days, despite eating around 600 calories less. When people might think that's a little bit interesting, like, hey, if you were able to eat more calories, wouldn't you eat them from a larger variety of foods? Uh, not necessarily because you know, of my macronutrient restrictions, because I'm only on 35 grams of fat per day, uh, that does kind of restrict me a little bit in my choices when my carbohydrates are at 325 grams on those days. So on my lower carbohydrate days, I'm usually having a much more diverse array of food. Uh, so, you know, in the morning I'll always have a VPA egg white omelet. I'll spice that with like some Italian herbs, some smoky paprika. I'm a huge fan of cheese. I would say that I am a cheese connoisseur. (laughs) I love cheese and, uh, Jack complains because I've got so many different types of stinky cheese in the fridge. Um, but you know, I do like variety with my cheese, so I'll have a different flavor of cheese every morning melted on top of my egg. And then I'll always have, you know, a bowl of oatmeal with some cocoa powder in there, some macromic on top, and I'll usually have a piece of fruit, whether that's like an orange or a grapefruit or an apple. So that's always my breakfast and then at lunch, it's kind of a similar layout to breakfast, but it's different food choices. So I will have some VPA egg whites again, but instead of the cheese as a protein and fat source, I'll actually have a whole egg with that and then instead of oatmeal i will usually have my chocolate cream of wheat so that's literally just some wholemeal flour blended with some raw cocoa powder a little bit of sweetener and some water just blended microwaved and then i'll usually top that with some sort of seed so whether that's pumpkin seeds or chia seeds just for another source of unsaturated fatty acids And then I do like to have another piece of fruit. So for example, if I had an orange at breakfast, then I'll usually have an apple, uh, at lunchtime and then, you know, post-workout that is when I will have my nice cream. So right now, because my carbohydrates are lower, I'm opting for a lot of strawberries. So I'll usually just blend like 150 grams of frozen strawberries with some ice and a scoop of WPI protein powder. And, uh, then I'll usually make some air popped popcorn. So around 20 grams of air popped popcorn, such a voluminous food. But again, you know, that is another source of whole grain carbohydrates, you know, having, you know, more variety with my carbohydrate sources there and a different source of fruit too. And then at dinner time you know i'll usually either make a big salad full of just plenty of fresh vegetables or i'll make like a big stir fry dish and i'll just like have yeah a whole bunch of different vegetables everything's from like capsicums to carrots to zucchinis to eggplants and cucumbers and tomatoes and you know have like some maybe some olive oil in there some balsamic some uh passata lots of different spices and then for a protein source, I'll usually have like a can of sardines. And because a can of sardines only has around 15 grams of protein, I'll usually have a little bit of Chobani yogurt, whatever protein I have left during the day to hit that 140 grams, I'll usually just top that up with some Chobani yogurt. So. That's usually one of my lower carbohydrate days. And I do get quite a good diversity of foods in there. You know, I'm getting plenty of different fruits, lots of different vegetables, lots of different whole grains from like the oats and the wholemeal flour and the popcorn. You know, plenty of different types of protein space throughout the day, plenty of different types of fatty acids, a large variety of different fiber types. So for five days of the week, I'm getting in a good variety of food despite being on 1,575 calories, right? But then on my higher carbohydrate days, my variety goes down a little bit. And honestly, I'm okay with that because on my higher carbohydrate days, I eat some of my favorite foods. (laughs) So for example, uh, for breakfast, I will usually always have my chocolate cream of wheat. So I'll have 100 grams of wholemeal flour, I'll have 10 grams of raw cocoa, and uh, I will top that with some mic peanut butter again. And then usually I will have some nice cream. So instead of my strawberries, which are much lower in carbohydrates, than I'm using on my lower carbohydrate days, I'll bulk up my nice cream with heaps of banana, heaps of mango, heaps of pineapple, right? And, uh, you know, instead of the WPI, I'll usually use like a higher carbohydrate containing protein powder. So VPA has this amazing protein powder. It's like hot chocolate protein powder. And because it's got more casein in it, it just fluffs up with nice cream. It's so amazing. So uh, I will usually have those two things, the chocolate cream of wheat and the nice cream. And that's usually around hundred grams of carbs. And then for lunch, I will have a VPA egg white. You know, I'll put some cheese on that. And then for my main carbohydrate source again, I will have chocolate cream of wheat again, just because it's literally like my favorite. I used to think that oats were my absolute favorite, but chocolate cream of wheat gives oats a good, good run for their money. If you make it right. So it's amazing. I love it so much. And because I can usually, I only have the carbohydrates to eat high quantities of it on my high carbohydrate days. Boy, do I take advantage of that? So I have that again. And I usually have another two pieces of fruit. So usually like an orange and an apple, right? And then post-workout, I will have chocolate cream of wheat again. And then I'll usually have nice cream again as well. And you know, at this point I have had chocolate cream of wheat three times. So I've gone from my previous day of having three different varieties of whole grain carbohydrates to just one during a day. Right. And I know you could make the argument of, Oh, that's not enough food diversity or, Oh, you should be having something else. But there's a few reasons why one, I love it. It's like my favorite food, right? And it's still very healthy for me. Also, I'm on a low fat diet, 35 grams a day. If I was to eat oats, right, for three of my meals, that would be close to like probably 27 grams of fat out of my 35 grams of fat for the whole day, just from oats. So I can't just eat oats for all of these meals, right? I used to do that when my fats were much higher. Uh, but I just, I can't do that anymore because again, I want more v- varieties of fat throughout the day. Uh, so that's another reason why. And also it's, it's just a wholemeal flour source, you know, and a lot of people are actually probably eating flour or wheat uh for all of their meals to be honest (laughs) like for example if someone wakes up in the morning right and they have some cereal you know that's probably a wheat-based cereal and then at lunchtime they might have a sandwich their bread is probably made from wheat and then at dinner time they might have pasta hey wheat again So, so you might look at that and say oh those are three different types of food, right? You know, you've got your cereal, you've got your bread, you've got your pasta, but it's still all wheat and it's just in a different form. So even though I'm eating chocolate cream of wheat three times per day in the same form, you know, on a molecular level, it's still the same stuff and it's still good and it's just fine. So that's kind of my little justification for why I eat chocolate cream of wheat. Three times per day two days in a row (laughs) i can do what i want (laughs) but uh and then you know for dinner on high carbohydrate days i've usually i always like to front load my carbohydrates i just find that works much better for me behaviorally you know from a digestion point of view i can get more carbohydrates in me i can get more glycogen into me to fuel my training and just behaviorally you know if i'm eating more carbohydrates at the beginning of the day Like, I'm more likely to expend more energy and increase my meat and increase my output, which over time that's going to lead to greater body composition change for me during my prep and greater weight loss because at night behaviorally, you know, that's the most sedentary time for me. It's dark. I like to have a meal. I like to stretch. I like to brush my teeth and I like to chill out. You know, I'm not going, even if I had a bunch of carbohydrates at night and I had the energy, I probably wouldn't be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go on a half an hour walk or something. Like it's dark outside. Like I'm going to stay home. So, uh, yeah, I always have a pretty lower carbohydrate meal at night. And again, on my high carb days, even though I'm eating 325 grams across the day, I usually only leave maybe around 40 grams or something at night. And I usually just bulk that up with a whole bunch of vegetables, you know, and like some Chobani yogurt or some cottage cheese pretty much. But yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my low and my high days in a nutshell. It's kind of like my diet right now in a nutshell. Obviously, nothing's set in stone. It does generally change day to day because I do like to get a little bit more diversity in there. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much a framework of what I eat and how I eat, just if you were interested. <laughs> But you know, overall, this last week has been a really good one. You know, it's been another good, productive, and successful week of prep. You know, it's been a successful week of work with clients and podcasting, and it's been a wonderful week with Jack and a wonderful week with Sam, who, if you guys don't know, Sam is our new Border Collie puppy. We've had her for two and a half weeks now, and she's just a bundle of joy. We love her so much. And, uh, if you do want to check out some of her photos, we have created an Instagram account for her called Sam's Tales. So that's just S a M S underscore T a L E S Sam's Tales. And yes, we know that we called her sam but sam our puppy she is a girl so she's not a boy she's a girl sam is a gender neutral name and we love that name so yeah that's sam and she's been wonderful she just got her second vaccine uh because she's 10 weeks old now and it is still another four weeks until we're actually allowed to take her out of the yard you know and take her for walks and stuff so that's probably one of the main things I'm going to be looking forward to in peak week is I'm finally going to be able to walk my dogs. So that's certainly something to look forward to for peak week is uh, finally going on dog walks. Finally. Oh my gosh. So excited for her to join me. But yeah, this whole week, it's, um, it's been great. You know, I recorded a YouTube video with my friend and client Candice. So she's also on YouTube and Instagram known as Candytopia. She's a really good friend of mine and, uh, she's super passionate about health and fitness. She's in her last year of physio and boy, is she talented when it comes to makeup. She is an incredible makeup artist. Honestly, you'll know what I'm talking about if you look her up, just look up Candytopia on Instagram. She's beautiful. And we recorded a YouTube video because a lot of her followers, you know, have a lot of questions about health and fitness and nutrition and the gym because she's one of a kind, you know, she's this bomb ass makeup artist, but she's also like super into her health and her exercise, which is really cool. So we did a YouTube collab that should be up in the next few days. So really looking forward to um, seeing that. And it was just super fun to record that and oh something else that exciting happened this week is that I actually registered for the shows so I registered for both the IFBB Queensland show and also the IFBB Arnold show and doing that kind of just reminded me how expensive this sport is like oh my gosh competing has got to be I, I don't know about a lot of other sports in terms of finances but For what I know, it's probably the most expensive sport on the planet. Honestly, each one of these shows is probably going to cost me like a thousand dollars and I'm doing six shows. It's just crazy because when you add up, especially as a girl, you know, when you add up the cost of hair and makeup and tan, you know, that's around $400, depending on where you get your bikini from and how many bikinis you buy. You know, if you rent one, that's probably going to be close to $200. If you buy one, that's going to be anywhere between like 200 to a thousand dollars per her bikini. And that's going to add up. If you want to wear a different bikini for every single show heels, you know, anywhere between a hundred to probably like $400 for a nice pair of heels and not to mention the show itself. So you've got to register with the Federation and you've got to pay for each time you go onto stage. So like actually stepping on stage in itself can cost a hundred to $200 Per division, then you also have to pay for photos because you're not gonna go through your entire comp prep without photos, right? And you know, you have to pay for like a t shirt and you've gotta pay for travel fees as well, you know, especially going down to Melbourne, so accommodation and flights and that's just the competition side of things. You know, people are also paying, you know, somewhere probably between 50 to a hundred dollars or more per week for their coaching services. People are also paying their gym fees. People are paying for all of their food and their supplements. Boy, oh boy, is this an expensive sport. So signing up for my competitions, uh, it just reminded me that wow, I, um, am going to continue to work my ass off so that this is definitely worth the money. (laughs) And it also made me very thankful that I don't spend my money on much. You know, I pretty much only spend my money on rent and food and like, you know, my gym membership and my Spotify membership and my phone bill. Like I have very few expenses. Luckily I'm not a big spender. I'm not very into buying materialistic things at all. So I have saved myself a good amount of money over the years and you know this is worth it to me even though it's a thousand dollars per show it's really worth it to me because if i'm going to only be doing this once every two years and i'm putting so much effort into this i'm going to make the absolute most of it so uh yeah it's, it's certainly a big financial decision for those of you out there who didn't know that competing is very expensive. So definitely, you know, before you jump straight into it, certainly plan ahead in terms of finances. I think that, uh, that is certainly a good idea and a smart move for your piggy bank. But you know, guys, I am coming up on an hour now, so I am probably going to start to wrap things up for this second episode of my 2020 comp prep series. But you know, pretty much moving into this next week, again, if the last week worked out well, there's no need to make any modifications to the plan. Just keep going, keep trusting the process, keep doing what I'm doing. So I'm keeping my macros the same. I'm keeping my energy expenditure the same. I'm keeping my routine the same, my training schedule the same. Everything's pretty much just going to keep. Going the same, I just pretty much have to consistently show up and put in the work and just keep chipping away and uh, see the results that I get day after day. So that's pretty much the plan moving forward. I know nothing too exciting, but hey, <laughs> that's just the way it is sometimes. You don't always have to uh, be manipulating a hundred things at once if it's not necessary, you know? So yeah, that's moving forward for the next week. Should be good. I'm excited to record another episode next week, but. Yeah. Sitting right now, you know, 26th of January, I am 34 days out from the first show, which is on the 29th of February. So just over a month, you know, it's getting really, really close now. It's getting really, really exciting. And boy, am I looking forward to being on stage? You know, the nerves aren't even there to be honest. I'm just, I'm just excited to be up there and just to smile, you know, and flaunt, everything that I've been working so hard for and just have a damn good time. So I'm getting really, really pumped for show day pretty much just around the corner now, which is uh, really, really cool. But yeah, guys, if you did enjoy this episode, please, you know, tell your family and friends about it. Feel free to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag the bodybuilding dietitians. I hope everyone has a really great week ahead and uh, I'll catch you next week.